chat. Welcome into a long overdue episode of the Crimson Corner. As always, I am your host and Utah Utes insider, Michelle Bodkin, and I have to say I'm very excited about this week's episode. As most of you crazy Utah football fans are probably aware of, this week's matchup against Cal will serve as the annual Ute Proud game, which has become a fan favorite and also a favorite of mine uh, since its inception in 2016. This episode's goal is to help make this year's Ute Proud game more enriching for you, the fan, by diving into the history, culture, current needs, and relationship between the University of Utah and the Ute tribe from which they have pulled their nickname. To do that properly and respectfully, I am very pleased to welcome in my guest, whom I met over the summer while helping with the Athletes for Life Life football camp that was held by former Utah athletes on the Uinta Ore Ute Reservation, Cameron Kutch. Cam, before we dive in, please introduce yourself and explain your role as a Ute Tribe member and the relationship you have with the University of Utah. Hi, Michelle. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am an enrolled member of the Ute Indian Tribe. I was born and raised out here on the Uinta and Ore Indian Reservation, and I am a alumni of the university, a graduate alumni. I got my master's degree there in 1999. And I served my tribe uh, in tribal government as the education director from 2001 to 2005. And during that time, um, you know, it's said that the university has always had the, the tribe's support dating back to 1972. But, you know, we didn't have a formal agreement in place. And when I was director, I worked with our tribal leadership to kind of start a relationship, more formal relationship. And so we were able to enter into the first uh, memorandum of agreement back in 2003. Um, the other thing that I'm involved in with the university right now is I currently serve as chair of the president's national advisory council, the NAC. And that's a group of approximately 130 individuals who work closely with the university's leadership and administration to improve relationships between the U and its constituencies throughout the state and beyond. Um, and so, you know, I get to work with uh, a lot of real influential Utahns, uh, alumni, friends of the university, and um, people like Kem Gardner, Spencer Eccles, Heather Collard, Catherine Garf, Gail Miller, uh, Charles Mumford, the owner of the Rockies, who's an alumni, uh, Keith Van Horn, um, former Utes basketball great. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I'm involved in uh, currently. Now, something I want fans to kind of know and understand is that finding a lot of meaningful information on the internet about the Ute tribe is actually pretty difficult outside of uh, history about land treaty disagreements. Obviously, there is so much more to this group of people, which is why Cam and I spent a good 45 minutes to an hour talking off the record so I could get a feel for who the Utes are, what they believe in, why the tribe exists, and just what, what is important to discuss because there is a lot of ground to cover. So I think always a great place to start with these kinds of conversations is just the over, overarching history of who the Ute tribe is at their core, where they originated from, and how did this tribe come to be? Well, most tribes have, including ours, a, a creation story. And uh, without sort of telling that story, um, 
basically our people were placed in the mountains so that we could be close to the creator. And we were told by him that we would never be defeated. So um, we have a creation story. We are um, part of the Utah Aztecan uh, Shoshonean people. Um, we're related to, you know, the tribes like the Shoshone, the Comanche, um, the Paiute, Goshute, um, several uh, California tribes. Um, but our people, uh, the Utes, we lived in the mountains of Utah and Colorado. There were 12 bands of Utes historically, and we lived from Salt Lake Valley, Provo Valley in particular, all the way to the, uh, the mountains of, of, of Colorado when we acquired the horse and we were set, we are known to be one of the early tribes to acquire the horse from the Spanish. We extended our territories even beyond our hunting and trading, um, into the plains and, and, uh, our people fought tenaciously to defend our, our, our land. And, uh, today we have, uh, three, uh, youth tribe, uh, tribal groups, uh, our tribe, the Uinta and Ore Utes, we're, we're located in Northeastern Utah. Our reservation is about 4.5 million acres of, of original, uh, jurisdiction where we still assert, um, rights over our members and hunting and fishing rights. Um, we also have about 1.3 million acres of, of tribal trust lands. Um, the tribe has tremendous, uh, natural resources, um, oil and gas resources, timber, water, um, just some real beautiful, beautiful land out here. But, uh, you know, and then, and then we have our sister tribes, the Southern Ute tribe down in Southwest Colorado and the Ute Mountain Ute tribe in uh, South, Southwest Colorado as well. And then there's a small uh, band of Utes, the White Mesa Utes down in, down in Southern Utah. So um, that's sort of what's uh, remains of, of uh, are you people now i'm curious what does ute mean or translate to in the ute language yeah it's kind of a spanish term that uh came, came about uh but the way we call our ourselves is uh nooch or nuchu the people that's that's how our language um describes ourselves interesting and so then explain tribe structure, because I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize it's set up like a government. It's, it's not just a random assortment of people. Um, everybody kind of has a job. Everybody has something that they do, and it is very structurally organized. Uh, today, but historically, you know, as I mentioned, we had bands of Utes that lived uh, throughout throughout the Rockies and, you know, culturally, you know, our people are very diverse. Um, a lot of, a lot of our ways were held within family groups. Um, the bands, you know, had selective leadership. We didn't, we never had, you know, a full-time uh, chief or leader. Uh, we had, you know, lots of leaders depending on uh, the issue at hand. So, you know, if, if it was going to war, we had war leaders, if we had, uh, if it was hunting parties, we had hunting leaders. If it was, um, you know, health health issues or or things that needed healing, we had you know traditional 
uh, spiritual people, you know, and, and after those issues uh, were, were sort of dealt with, everybody would kind of go back to society. So, you know, we, we didn't really have structured, uh, you know, forms of government until later when we came to reservations and had to adopt constitutions and, and kind of operate similar to the, uh, the federal government. So the way our, our tribe is structured today is you know, we had three bands of Utes, uh, the Uinta band, which is kind of a culmination of all the Utah bands, um, a consolidation, I should say, of, of all the Utah bands. We have the Uncompahgre Utes, who, uh, along with the White River Utes, were uh, forcibly uh, removed from Colorado into Utah. And so we share a reservation. And, uh, and so under our constitution, the three bands are all represented by uh, six members, uh, business committee, two members from each band, uh, elections every four years, uh, staggered elections. So every two years we have uh, tribal elections for three of the seats, uh, one from each band. And that's how we're structured. Uh, we're as a government, we're, we're a government without a tax base. And so the way we fund tribal government core services is through the development of our natural resources our oil and gas resources our timber our our leases on, on tribal lands, um, grazing rights, you know, those kinds of things. We also have several enterprises on our reservation and investments. Um, the tribe is pretty progressive in terms of, you know, diversifying and trying to, you know, create uh, financial sovereignty for the members uh, today and, and into the future. Uh, you touched on this a little bit in your last answer, um, but I felt like as we were having our discussion, um, one of the more interesting revelations you brought up was that there is extreme diversity throughout each tribe and band, and it's due to how each individual family has kind of interpreted the Ute culture and applied it into their own lives. Um, explain that a little bit more. Sure. Well, within our uh language too i mean the bands have different ways of speaking uh within our families or cultural you know structures you know we have you know there there are different families do things different you know so when it comes to um you know birth rituals or when we have um, people pass on we have you know certain things we do um you know, those are held within families and so, you know, our culture uh, is not, and, and as well as our history, is really held within within our families, you know. And so, you know, we have our own family histories. We we have our own cultural ways of doing things. You know, there are some things that are that are very similar um, that we do. Um, some of our um, cultural ways are our bear dance, which we'll talk a little bit about as we talk about what we'll see on Saturday. Um, you know, there, there, there are things like that that are, that are held in common, but even within, you know, the, the, the bands, uh, and, the the different reservations, you know, there's, there's, there's differing stories that, that all sort of come and match back up. So it's, it's unique. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very unique. Uh, and like I said, to me, that was just incredibly fascinating, um, that the diversity really comes through the family units within the tribe. I, I think that's incredibly interesting. Um, now getting more into the tie-in with college athletics in the Ute tribe, 
Um, there were a couple of dates that were really important for changing the relationship between the Utes and the University of Utah for the better. Um, and that started in 2003 and kind of ran through about 2007, as I understand it. Explain what happened, how, how it changed the dynamics of the relationship and what the NCAA's role was in the matter. Well, the, the, the agreement that I was able to help uh, negotiate and put in place uh, was in 2003. And that really contemplated, you know, we always, University of Utah was, was using the name, um, but there really wasn't a relationship. There wasn't, uh, there, there really wasn't a lot of interaction. Um, and we were sending, you know, no more than a handful of students to the U at any given time. Um, I felt there was there should have been a relationship and that we should be finding resources to, you know, support our students while they're there to you know, work together on, you know, research projects. Uh, you know, the tribe certainly has needs. There's opportunities for, you know, research and, and development and um, just overall education and respect for the name. Um, and so, you know, the university had done some things. Uh, they had their research park, you know, recognized, you know, tribal names and, um, and that was, that was great and all, but, you know, we, we felt like we needed to have a closer relationship. So that agreement sort of started that process, but it really didn't take off. Uh, and, and then another thing that happened was in 2005, the NCAA came down with some rules, new rules that said that, 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 universities and colleges that use native American mascots or logos couldn't use those postseason play. And the university of Utah was, was, was getting ready to go into, you know, the national basketball tournaments and so forth. And they were able to use that agreement, wave that agreement and say, Hey, we've got the permission of the tribe. And, uh, and that really kind of saved the day in terms of the use of the, the Ute name in, in, postseason play uh the agreement i think was renewed in around 2000 uh 2013 2014 and again in 2020 but it wasn't until recent leadership uh at the university kind of beginning with david pershing who was president at the time and later ruth watkins that they really started to to commit university resources to, to help build a relationship to educate about uh, the tribe. Um, you know, if you go to the University of Utah games, there's there's a lot of respect, a lot of educational information um, that, that's been put out. So fans aren't out there being disrespectful or wearing, you know, um, things that might be offensive to, to the tribe and its members. Um, in addition, they've they've put they've hired people to help students um, be successful when they when they when they do show up to the university to attend school. They've hired people to go out and do outreach on the reservation. We have several enrichment programs where students are able to come visit the uh, university at an early age and kind of get at an early age influenced into what's possible. And uh, you know the university folks come out to the reservation and participate in a lot of our uh, events. You know, we have a big fundraiser out here for college uh, scholarships that the university comes out and plays in our, in that golf tournament. They come out to our bear dance ceremonies and things like that. So we've, 
we've really over the years um, started working more closely and, and, and have found, you know, scholarship resources, donors, people that have a genuine interest in supporting the tribe. Um, you know, they, they've, they've done some really thing, really nice things that have made attending the university for our students, um, you know, that have helped them be successful. Now, leadership is also a big factor in this story. And again, you kind of briefly brought that up. You know, how did that turnover on both sides help push the relationship forward between the university and the Utes? I think really just getting together and talking and, and talking about the needs, um, talking about how how they can, you know, better educate people on the the the, the Ute people, the use of the name. Um, you know, access to education, um, you know, allowing, you know, they created an advisory board. So there's representatives uh, from the university administration, as well as the youth tribe leadership, um, the business committee, their the education director, some of the tribal departments that have that work a lot with our kids, our recreation department. Um, they're able to, they, they meet quite regularly to, to discuss, you know, initiatives and things that they can do together to um, grow the relationship. And then I mentioned academic support too. The university really does a lot to uh, support those students once they're there. They've got, you know, the American Indian Resource Center and they have advisors there to help help students be successful when they when they make it to college. I'm going to jump a little off script here because um, I think it's a good place to bring it up. You actually sent me a really interesting video, a reel on Instagram um, about two Native Americans talking about what is and isn't offensive to them. Uh, and I feel like that's such a hot topic of debate. Obviously, we saw a team like the Redskins changed their name from the Redskins to the Washington command commanders in, in an attempt to be more politically correct, I suppose. Um, but interestingly enough, it turns out that um, it, it actually was more offensive that the name was changed. You know, talk, talk about why there's such a confusion between people and, and you know, for Obviously, you can't speak for everybody, right? But like, you know, as a general rule of thumb, what what does constitute as being offensive versus, um, I guess, honorary uh, in, in cases where you're using like a native word or nickname uh, for for a team? Yeah, well, I, I mentioned earlier just how diverse our youth people are. You know, we have different you know, ways of viewing the world, different ways of, you know, culturally um, Native people across the country, you know, am amongst, you know, the over 557 some odd uh, federally recognized tribes all have different views on this. Uh, but what I think is is really important is that the tribal nations themselves, you know, whenever you have a, a tribal nation uh, that is in support of something, 
like the university, like the U tribe is with the University of Utah. We're talking two sovereigns. We're talking a state institution of higher education and a federally recognized Indian tribal nation coming together to form a, a formal uh, agreement where there's mutual benefit. Uh, that I think is key. You're, the the Washington Redskins, um, you know, there's differing views on 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 that name. The Cleveland Indians, you know, they they changed the name uh, to the Guardians. But if you look at the history, there were at one time some of the early players who played for the Cleveland um, baseball program were Native Americans, and they were honoring them by using that name. Um, now the mascot, you know may have been offensive to some but you know i've also seen young kids wearing that that old mascot um chief wahoo on, on their ball caps so i mean there's there's just so many views um on it but the reason i think it's important for there to be there you know for people not to take so much offense is because i think that you know and we we, we could look at the uh notre dame fighting irish we could look at the minnesota vikings i mean you don't have Irish people or Norwegian people getting upset mm-hmm. about that. You know, I mean, to me, I feel like if we, if we just eliminate all those, you know, names, people are going to be quick to forget that, that our people were, were here, that we were here first. And, you know, some of the things that, you know, uh, culturally um, that, that may be a part of, you know, the use of, of, of native, you know, names and, and, and logos, you know, like our drum and feather, um, you know, get lost and, 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 and soon people forget, you know, how our state was named after our tribe, who our tribe is. I mean, we're still educating people on, on who we are. I've lived on the East coast and, you know, people back there, they, they don't even know that we still exist. They still ask silly questions like, you know, did you live on a, in a teepee on, on a reservation? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that I first experienced when I moved away from Utah. Um, but I, you know, I think the important thing is that, that, the, that the tribe and the entity itself, be it a university or a professional sports program, have a relationship with, with tribes. And that's been done with University of Utah. It's been done with um, Central Michigan, the, the Chippewa. Uh, they have great relationships with the with the uh, the Chippewa nations in that in that region. And then the Florida State Seminoles too. They've had a long relationship with uh, the Seminole uh, tribal nation, um, Florida State, and and the tribe there. And, and, and what's cool about that is, you know, a lot of people don't realize how successful some of these tribes are across our country. They're very successful in terms of economic development. Um, Seminole Tribe, for example, they own, you know, casinos and resorts and golf courses. And, and they, you know, they own the Hard Rock Cafe name. I mean, they're, they're very successful. And so they, they I believe, use that as a, a marketing opportunity. Uh, that relationship with a tribe. And I'm, I'd like to see more of that with our tribe too, because we have things that, that uh, we do as, as far as economic development as well, that I think should be, you know, showcased in some way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. 
And then, I mean, obviously, like all relationships, there's always room for improvement and growth, no matter how well it is going. You know, talk about some of the positive changes you've seen and then some of the things that could still be addressed and, and improved upon. Yeah, well, there's the positive things kind of begin with education, just educating the university uh, students, uh, the community, the alumni, uh, you know, the state, you know, every, everyone that's, you know, interacts with the University of Utah. Um, I think there's wonderful opportunities to, to educate people uh, about who our people are, that we still exist, and that you know, we're still facing challenges today. Our people are still fighting for our lands, our water rights, and our right to develop our mineral, re mineral resources. Um, there's a lot of challenges we face. We have, you know, young people who aren't achieving at the level we'd like to see them achieve. You know, we, we, we still have, you know, things in our community that we'd like to improve upon, but we also want them to know about, you know, the, the good things that are happening, the economic development that takes place on our reservation, the investment that takes place. There's a lot of jobs just in the oil and gas industry on our reservation that take place, the, the tribe is a major driver of the economy here in our state in, 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 in the Eastern part of the state. And, and that's something that people need to need to know about. Now, one area where this relationship has truly blossomed is with the Ute Proud game where the Ute tribe comes and performs one of their tribal dances and gives some explanations of their culture. Uh, the other day when we were chatting, you brought up last year's dance, the bear dance, uh, and the significance of it to the Utes. Go ahead and explain here just some of the nuances of the movements fans will see throughout whatever dance the tribe chooses to perform on Saturday. Sure. Um, the tribe has, you know, been practicing, you know, it'll be a lot of our young people, a lot of our, some of our elders will come out, um, I think. I think there's over a hundred people that will be performing mm. and they'll be doing some of the dances that come from the powwow tradition. Um, there's a lot of, you, you know, dance styles that a lot of tribes have adopted. Um, some of the traditional forms, you know, uh, traditional war dance, um, traditional um, women's um, dance are, are things that are, ancestral to our tribe but there's a couple other styles like fancy dance where they they have the uh feathers really colorful feathers and, and do lots of spinning um the women will, will wear shawls and will will dance um almost like a butterfly kind of floating there's a jingle dance which originates from the um, ojibwe people uh you'll see some of those 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 styles that are that are uh, part of the performance but you're also going to see a demonstration of what is a dance that is a, that is original to the Ute people and that story has that has a story to it um, a history to it where historically uh, our people you know we lived off the land and we were a strong people you know if you've lived in these mountains you know that you've got to you've got to work hard every day or or you won't survive. So, you know, our people were always prepared for winter. Winters were sometimes hard. When springtime came, you know, it, it came time for gathering and for hunting. And in this particular story, this warrior goes out uh, on his own 
to hunt for his family, his people, and and he interact. He, he he comes into contact with with a bear, and uh, he he draws his bow originally, but the bear you know communicates with him almost like telepathically. And our people, you know, always talk about how historically our people were really close with nature, and and that we used to be able to communicate with with nature, and so. The story goes that this bear tells tells this young warrior to take this dance back to his people and to celebrate this dance every spring, to celebrate the new year, to celebrate renewal, to celebrate birth, to celebrate life um, and abundance. And so our people have been been doing that um, for hundreds of years. And so uh, historically, what would happen is, you know, and they would do it every spring. And, and and different bands would come and, and and stay and for days and they would do this dance and they would feast and eat and and uh often meet their their partners <laughs> um there's a few details to it but it's a really pretty dance and uh, the men line up on one side the women uh on the other and 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 they have uh they they don't use a drum they use a uh, kind of a they use a they use kind of a flat sort of surface that, and, and a, a uh, they call it a rasp. It's got these notches in it and, and, and a bone, um, and they kind of that makes the sound. And and the songs are are they sound a lot like the bear when the bear um, bear sounds, but they're um, almost like bear chants. And uh, so you'll 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 notice that about about the song. And, 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 and they'll take a couple of steps back and forth, all keeping a, st- a straight line. And then they have what's called the cat man where he'll divide them. He'll divide the, uh, the dancers. And, and the way it works is that the women get to choose who they dance with. And historically, uh, whenever this dance would take place, you know, all the bands would come together and the women would choose their partner. And, and, and if a woman chose your husband or your boyfriend, you had to let them dance. Uh, there's nothing you could do about it. <laughs> um, and so, um, and so, you know, you'll, you'll see when they, when they split them, split them up, how they, you know, how, how they, how they dance in unison. And it's, 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 it's a really pretty dance. It's very colorful and, and uh, it's something our people have been doing for, like I said, hundreds of years. Now, I think what's also kind of cool is some of the kids that participated in the Athletes for Life camp on the res over the summer with the former Utah athletes will also be performing on Saturday uh, in the halftime dance this year uh, in a game that obviously features current Utah athletes. Talk about the importance of opportunities for these kids to be around high achieving individuals and how it builds much needed confidence for them going out in the world and finding their own why. Yeah, I think it's important for for people to see what's possible. Um, I think exposure is one of the most important things, and I think expectations are are also important too. You know, I think about growing up and how before I even knew what college was, I knew I was going, and uh, I think we're seeing more and more of our our people expect that of their of their kids. It's it's more accepted, you know, that that their children go on to go on to college or trade school, you know, and, and better their lives. And, uh, 
there's there's not the mistrust that that there used to be um, historically. But just you know, just like the camp we did this past summer, athletes for life. You know, it was great to get those kids out with former players and existing uh, players and and give them you know exposure. You know, I when I played football in high school, um, I, I did it in Massachusetts and. I played little league on the reservation, but when I returned, a lot of the kids I played little league with just like, they, they never played high school football. So I don't know why. Um, but today we're seeing more and more of our, our young people playing, playing at the high school level. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of talented kids over the years. And I just, you know, I think if we give them those opportunities and we give them exposure, you know, they, they can see what's possible and, and reach for those things, you know, set goals and, and start reaching for them. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the drum and feather logo. Um, it's sometimes a very polarizing topic, uh, but based off of conversations I've had with you and a few others on the reservation, it feels like it's been unnecessarily complicated out of fear or not fully understanding what it means for the tribe. What do you think of that logo? And what would the future for it be in an ideal world? As far as the logo, I mean, I, I don't find any offense to it at all. Um, it's a drum. It's got the block U in the center. Uh, the drum almost look, doesn't look like one of our traditional drums. It almost looks like one of the band drums. <laughs> um, and the feathers hanging off the side. You know, the uh, I'll just, you know look like eagle feathers but they're you know uh a drum and and eagle feathers to our people are, are very sacred uh the drum you know represents our the heartbeat of life our songs are, are sung with the drum there's a real spirit to it um eagle feathers uh, you know the eagle is very um sacred to our people we believe that god manifests himself through through his creation and the eagle is is one of the special ones that that we believe brings blessings and healing. Um, and so the feathers are, you know, when you have them, if you earn one or given one, it's, it's a, it's an important um, honor uh, to, to receive. And so, um, so we hold those things with great respect. Um, and so the logo, you know, like I said, the, the drum almost looks like a band drum and the university now has the, uh, the mascot swoop. So maybe they're red, red tail feather, uh, red tail hawk tail feathers. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm, I, I think most of our people don't view it in any way. We, 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 there's a tribal element to it for sure, but I, I, I don't know why people would take offense to it. And I think if the university of Utah and the U tribe have a relationship and an agreement to support its use, I don't know why anyone would question that because you're talking again, two sovereign groups, you know, sovereign nation uh, agreeing to that. Mm -hmm. And so even our, even our tribal logo, our, uh, the official seal of the Indian tribe has, has an Eagle on it has tail feathers, you know, and, and some may say, well, that's because you're an Indian tribe. You can do that. But, you know, our people have given permission for that. We don't see anything that's offensive there. Um, people aren't using it in a, in a negative way. And, and I just love seeing it. I love seeing it on the side of uh, the team's helmets. 
you know, I, I think I shared with you, I, I don't like when they wear the, the block U on the <laughs> side of the helmet. I want the drum and feather because we win. We always win. Yeah. When we, when we have that, <laughs> and we, you know, we've gone to like two Rose Bowl games and we put the block U's on the side of the helmets and have lost. And I'm just like, you know, sometimes you have to be who you are. You need to stick with your identity and know that very similar to the tribe's creation story, you know, we're from the mountains and we will not be defeated. So, you know, prepare for, uh, prepare for battle. Cause that's, you know, these, these other schools, when they see that, you know, that, that's what they, that's what they respect, you know, um, about university of Utah. I love that. I love that comparison, actually. Um, that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you you did briefly touch on this as well, um, but I, I loved this topic that came up in, in our discussion offline um, is, is the relationship between the Seminole tribe and Florida State. Um, I feel like no one questions what a Seminole is. Uh, they, they might have a very rudimentary under, understanding of what a Seminole is, um, but it doesn't seem to confuse the general public the way the Utes do. What elements do you think the Utes and the University of Utah can take from that relationship and, and apply to their own in order to spread more general knowledge of who and what a Ute is? Well, they've just got to celebrate it more, you know, they've got to, you know, not hide from it. You know, you're either proud of it or you're not. And sometimes I wonder whether the university really, um, you know, I think the sports program do, but I wonder if the university as a whole, you know, the administration, you know, really gets behind the name. I know the alumni do. Mm-hmm. And I know that, uh, you know, lots of people across, across the, uh, the state really, really value that, that name and the relationship. Um, you know, at Florida state, they embrace it. Uh, they, not only do they, you know, use the name, but they also use cultural elements. You know, I mean, this weekend there's, there's some cultural designs that will be on the helmets, um, of the, of the Ute players, uh, the Utah Utes players, football players this weekend. Um, and those ought to be permanent on their uniforms. If you look at the Seminoles, they've got those tribal designs on their on their on their uniforms. I mean, and it's intimidating, and it's but it's beautiful too. And uh, for this game, the the design they have on the helmet, I'd love to see it on the on the uniform as well. At least for this game, the you uh, proud proud game they have every year. Uh, just we just need to embrace it. We need to fully get behind it grow the relationship. I'd like to see our tribe use it as a marketing opportunity to market itself. Um, I'd like to see our Ute tribal seal somewhere in the stadium so that, uh, you know, people know that, you know, who the Utes are. Uh, I'd love to see, you know, we've got the big jumbo screens. I'd love to see, and they, and they do it from time to time, uh, just a, a short video on, on who we are, you know, not just, you know, the cultural aspect, but also the economic, uh, impact our tribe has on this state. I think it's important for people to know that. As a member of the Ute tribe, what does it mean to you to see these high-level athletes take so much pride in wearing your logo and representing your name to a greater audience and continuing to rep it years after they're done playing? I just think there's a tremendous amount of respect. I think the athletics department 
Uh, its coaches have, have all embraced it. And, uh, you know, they've from time to time invite some of the tribal people to come and speak about the name, um, about our history so that, you know, especially, you know, they're incoming freshman players so that they, they learn from when they get here, you know, what it's all about. Uh, I've been invited to a few of those where I've come out and talked to the players, given a short, you know, history of, of who we are, um, you know, why there's, you know, great strength in being a youth. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, just the athletics department, the way they've embraced it has made it really good for players. And I think they've, you know, I mean, you talk, I mean, you know, a lot of the former players, I mean, they, they take great pride in it. You know, they, they really do. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. This is a question I love asking the athletes. What does it mean to be you proud? You know, I struggle a little bit with uh, the word proud, pride. You know, I, I, we always hear pride before the fall. <laughs> um, I know that's a that's a marketing thing that they've come up with, and and our people, you know, I think our people have a lot of um, respect and appreciation for the blessings we have. We know that the father, God, the creator has blessed us uh, as, as, as you people. And he's put us in these mountains and, and we've survived through many difficulties and, and are still here and remain, you know, for me, I'd love, I'd love to see them change that from you proud to just you nation, you know, cause I think people being able to, um, say, Hey, I'm a part of the nation. I'm a part of you nation. I'm a part of this family. I'm a part of this culture. I'm a part of this way of life. I will never be defeated. I think that's, you know, more powerful than just going out there and being prideful. You know, I, I really would love to see it become the Ute nation. Interesting. And then finally, Cam, you know, if people are interested in learning more or wanting to be an ally and help continue to build the relationship, where can they get more information or where can they get started in getting involved? You know, sometimes you just got to get out and do it. You know, uh, Hank Mendaka, our good friend, uh, helped form this organization called Athletes for Life, where he brought about a lot of former athletes, uh, University of Utah football players, uh, some who became professional football players, some existing professional uh, football players. Uh, from, you know, who played for the Utes, uh, you know, have brought them out to reservations to work with kids. Um, giving, anytime you can give, uh, you know, to scholarships or things that, that help our people. You know, one of the things that I've done personally, our family, you know, I had a brother who passed away right before he graduated law school, but he was the first Ute tribal member to go to law school. And, you know, he, he uh, passed away shortly before graduating. But we have a, a scholarship in his name, the David Arapine Cutch uh, Scholarship for Native Americans attending law school. Uh, setting up endowments, setting up, you know, programs, you know, that, that benefit, you know, tribal kids so that they can know that they have, you know, a future. You know, enrichment programs are, are, are a good thing because, you know, if it gives kids vision. It helps them see what's what's possible. Um, 
the university has lots of programs that support students uh, when they when they are accepted in the university. Um, you know, the, the American Indian Resource Center, for example, does a lot to support students and create community community there on the campus. That's a great organization to to help support. And then just you know, working with tribes, reaching out to tribes, and and finding out what what their needs are, and how you can help building a relationship there too is is another way to do it. Well, Cam, I appreciate so much your time and your input into doing this particular podcast. I think the information you gave was incredible. Uh, and I hope that other people won't be so afraid to have similar conversations in the future, because I think it's helpful uh, in building relationships and making our community stronger. Yes, I, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and, and talk about this. It's uh, it's something that's uh, I think a lot of people still have questions about or wonder about. And, you know, I, I personally don't speak for, you know, the Ute Indian tribe. I'm not an elected official. I'm a member of the tribe. But that's, you know, my perspective on it. I've had some history. I've, I've worked for my tribe. I've served them. I've helped work on this relationship from that perspective, as well as an alumni and as well as an NAC member. And, uh, you know, I'll continue to do that. Well, thank you again, Cam, so much. Uh, that will do it for me this go around. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Yeah.